welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. And I am Chris. How are you? I'm good. I'm very, very nervous about this. What are you nervous about? You know what I'm nervous about. We're recording remotely, and I just I feel like it's not going to work. Listen, for all of the times in the past that we ever recorded remotely, this time we actually have to record remotely. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's there's so much stuff coming down the pike for me. And me. You know, normally I would see your Antiguan Anguillan vacation as huge news that this is very exciting. But the things that are happening in my life are so crazy that I, I, I just see your vacation as a nice little trip. What, like your house and your baby? Dude. It's NBD. Next week, at this time, there will be another baby. Isn't it? Next week. It's pretty fucking crazy that you're moving into a house for the first time and having a baby literally within days of each other. It's bananas. It's really stupid, to be honest. Uh, We didn't have a choice. It's incredibly dumb. (laughs) Is it? I mean, what's more dumb? To have no house? And have two kids in an apartment that's literally our apartment is just dust and dander. I spent the whole time with paper towels on my nose, blowing my nose and sneezing. What is the, the whole dander time. from? From the human fucking, dander? The cat. Oh, you have a cat. I'm uh, jealous. Yeah. I love cats. Uh, do you want our cat? Uh, I want my own cat. He's, he's big, fat, and stupid. Oh, you've got that stupid dog. He's outside uh, the door right now. You're probably going to hear him barking at some point. I hate your dog. My parents, when they had my sister, one of their close friends, got them a puppy like two weeks after they had my sister. And they were so pissed. They got your parents a puppy as a gift? Literally like a week after they had my sister. That's a very presumptuous gift. It's a presumptuous gift. It's a presumptuous gift without an infant. (laughs) No, but could you imagine buying somebody a puppy, period? Yeah. You could? No, I'm saying I'm agreeing with you in the sense that I would never do something like that. Unless the person was like family and they really wanted – it was like your daughter. and She really wanted a dog and was asking and asking. That's like the only time it's allowed. Or you're at work and a stray dog comes up to you to get food and then you see that where it will wander, it will die. So you take it home. But you bring it to your family. You don't – you know – I'd ever tell you the story years ago. You're very altruistic. What What do you mean? Just in your sentiment. Listen, I don't like, I don't really like pets personally. Yeah. I mean, I know, I I know that's the mark of a serial killer or something bad, but I don't love pets. But um, years and years ago, I was living with Todd and Jeremy in Los Angeles in North Hollywood and I had a job on a TV show and I was working on a set and I was like a bum on the set. I was like yeah. just like carrying food around and stuff. And I was smoking meth like behind the behind the flats and stuff and, you know, smoking weed outside. And I remember me and Todd would smoke meth on all these sets. But I was on this set by myself, but I had a meth pipe with me wherever I went. It was a weird time in my life. Yeah. But um. There was a stray dog, an English bulldog, so cute, you know, oh, running you see all around. English bulldogs aren't strays because they're thousands of, they're like expensive. So check out this story. So this dog was following me around and I grew up, you know, I grew up in Manhattan. And I never had a dog. And I was like, oh my God, this is what a nice feeling this is. I have this, this dog. And then he followed me to my car and I was like, he had no tags, no nothing. And I was like, I opened, and, I, and this is how stupid I am. I opened the door to the car, and I said to myself, if he gets in the car, I'm going to take the dog. Okay? That's yeah. what I said. Okay. And, uh, and he gets in the car, and um, it turns out there was a pound nearby, and the dog had escaped the pound. And, uh, and I drive the dog home, and Todd had a dog. He had a pit bull, and his dog's name was Maggie. And we came home, and I named my dog Monty. Okay, after uh, Mr. Burns, Monty Burns. So, um, and the dogs kind of liked each other, but I didn't know anything about dogs, and I was on (laughs) drugs and whatever, and I didn't really do anything for the dog, and, like, I think Todd had to wind up buying, like, an extra dish for the dog and all this stuff, and then my girlfriend came to town, and I left town for a week with her, like, we went someplace, and when I came back, Todd had given my dog away. 
It was probably the right choice. Why? I could have given. I could have had a. I could have had a great life with that dog. Maybe he would have got you sober, but you weren't even able to take care of him. He should have. It's not good. I don't like active addicts getting animals if they're barely able to take care of themselves. It usually ends up poorly. There's this shitty Another- rehab. They. I don't know if it's shitty, but they give you. A puppy when you get there. I'm serious. They give you a puppy right when you get there, and then after three months, you can take the puppy with you or something. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I heard stories like that you're not supposed to get anything but get a plant, and if the plant you doesn't die... You saw that in the movie 28 Days. That's right. Yeah. You didn't days, hear that. Then, you saw it in fucking a movie with Sandra Bullock. That's right. That's right. In the end of 28 Days, the, the gay guy can't keep his plant alive, and he wants to have sex. It's a very good scene. And then the counselor is uh, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. I think it's pronounced Buscemi. Buscemi. But anyway, when Todd gave away the dog, I was so upset. And like you would say, you know, he did the right thing. But I remember two weeks later, Todd's dog had eaten all of Todd's Vicodin. And we got so scared that we went to the vet in the middle of the night and Todd's like, oh, my God, my dog's going to die, blah, 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 blah. And we were in the in the vet all night, and uh, his dog didn't die. His dog could have eaten anything and lived. It was a very hardy dog. Yeah. Very hardy, big pit bull. I almost but, uh, um, told, you know, the sad story of Hoodie and epilepsy. I don't remember that story. I, how I gave my dog epilepsy. You don't remember that? I triggered his first fit. I almost I almost told this in class because it actually pertains my learning theory class. We were doing like all this stuff with with anxiety and like specific phobias and panic disorders and stuff were basically the type of treatment you do. And and it was a really good class for me because it was the first time I kind of got sold on like evidence-based practices, like actual specific types of therapy and why it's better than just like a talented clinician who's good at like reaching people. And so what you do for those, uh, for that type of stuff is you build like a hierarchy, right? Where if you, if you're afraid of something, let's say like you're afraid of the, like the plant in the corner, like you'll build a hierarchy of how afraid you are to it. Like, do you want to get close to it? Proximity? And, and I, 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 I remember the story now with the water, right? Yes. <laughs> Should I tell it or no? Yeah. I'll tell, all right. I'll tell it real quick. So anyways, you build this hierarchy and you bring like, your client closer to the plant if like the proximity is something that makes it nerve makes the the client nervous until they can get up and touch it and it's a way to desensitize them to whatever have you ever done that with anybody no i've never done that type of work um has anybody ever done that with you no i've never needed to do it you know um but anyway so i was going to tell the story because um when i was a little kid and i've told this on dopey maybe a couple years ago um we had this dog named hoodie and he was a Portuguese water dog, and he was, like, the best breed. Did, did you name the dog Hoodie? He came named like that. His his full name was Hoodsy, and they named him Hoodsy because they named Portuguese water dogs after, like, battleships because they were so good in the water, and Hoodsy was some famous battleship or something. I don't know. Um, so there's Hoodie. The, that doesn't sound like a true story. That's what I remember. So uh, right. Hoodsy or Hoodie was supposed to be this breed that was actually... Oh, you, you, you think, do you think hoodsy was some Portuguese word? Hoodsy? That sounds no, like I think it was like a Portuguese battleship. <laughs> That's what we were I told. Don't, I don't believe that. We inherited anyway, the continue. name. Um, All right. So he, uh, he's supposed to be the best breed in the world for like swimming, or it was supposed to be very good, and he was uh, terrified of the water. <laughs> I love this story. Yeah, he wouldn't fucking <laughs> go near the water. And I was like a little – I didn't tell the story in class because I was like, I don't know how this is going to be received, you know? And uh, uh, so anyways, I was obsessed with getting him in the water. I was like, we got to get this fucking dog in the water. And so I would complain about it and stuff. And then my mom actually um, took me to the vet to – like meet with the vet and so I could ask him how to get him in the water. And the vet was like, okay, what you need to do is like call him, get, get close to the pool and call him. And he wouldn't even go really, really close to the pool, but he's like, have him come to you as close as he possibly can. You know what I mean? And like, if, and then like, if you go closer to the pool and he won't follow you, then like, don't do that. He's like, just sit with him as close as he'll come and then sit there with him for like, you know, 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour and just pet him. 
And he's like, and then do the same thing the next day and keep doing that. And so I fucking did it, which was really hard for like a little like ADHD hyperactive kid, you know, and I did it every day and it started working. He started getting closer and closer to the pool. And it's, it's actually based off of this, it's just conditioning. It's like based off of like the same sort of theory that we were talking about in class with this type of therapy. And so he got fucking closer and closer to the pool. And then one day we were right next to the pool and I, I swear to God, I, I tapped my hand on the water and where the stairs were. And he literally dipped his, like he knew what I was saying to him. He knew what the purpose of our therapy was and he dipped his paw in the water and then he like ran away real quickly. And I was like, it's working. I was so excited. So the next day I went back to the same spot. He came next to me and I tapped the water and he wouldn't put his paw in it again. And I got really frustrated. So I shoved him into the water. Right. And he jumped out and for, he was scarred after that. Like he was, he was staying further away from the pool than he ever stayed. You know, he would never go near it. And I like made him worse. And so then like fast forward like a year or two, he's still terrified of the water. But And you uh, were just pissed off because it's like having a toy for the bathtub. Like you buy some <laughs> ship that you want to sail in the bathtub, but for some reason you're not allowed to put it in the bathtub. This is a Portuguese water dog yeah, designed, he, designed to be swimming with you. Exactly. And you're like, what the fuck? I need this dog to go in the fucking water. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so a year and a half goes by. You, you've, you've, you've made a breakthrough and you had no patience. The dog refuses to, to participate. And you're like, what the fuck? My water dog won't go in the water. <laughs> water. And I will add that. I mean, I am very, I love pets. I'm very nice to pets. And, but I remember Hoodie would go everywhere in the house, but he wouldn't go in my room. (laughs) 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 If I would call him from my room, he would just stand at the door. He wouldn't go inside. After you shoved him in the water. No, it was always (laughs) Um, so (laughs) I think I was like a wild card to him. He didn't know what to expect from me. So anyways, Did you do anything else to him that was bad? I mean, I would play with him. I like to play kind of playing mind games with him. And, like, cats love mind games. Like, they fall in love with you if you give them intention and, like, challenge them with stuff. But um, dogs don't like it as much. So Because and, dogs are simple creatures and they don't like to be fucked with. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, like, fast forward like a year or two later and he would get close to the water if you, like, feed him from the water. Right, that's as close to he'd like eat it and then run away. So I'm in the water and I have this like brilliant Eureka idea. I'm like, I'm gonna put a bone on the edge of the raft and put it near the dog who's standing, you know, at the edge of the pool. So I put it, you know, and it's right out of his reach and he goes to reach it and I pull it like two inches away just so he can't get it. And then I push it a little closer and I pull it away, you know? And finally I'm doing that for a little bit and I think it's funny, I'm like taunting him like that, you know? And he fucking falls down and starts shaking and foaming at the mouth. And we rush him to the vet, and the vet's like, your dog has epilepsy. He's like, he probably always had, like, the propensity to be epileptic, but, like, the stress of, like, what you were, like, you're taunting, you you basically triggered his first fit, and then, like, now he's going to have it forever. And for the rest of his life, he would have, like, two seizures a year where he would, like, shit himself and shake and everything and foam at the mouth. And then the vet was like... That was like, you can't, like, tease your dog. Everybody teases dogs a little bit, you know? I think I did it more, and so... My, oh, you think so? You I mean, like, people an like... epileptic seizure <laughs> in your fucking dog. I no, you I did. did say I think I did it more. But so anyways, I would, like... My friends would come over, and they'd be playing with Hoodie, and they'd start teasing him, and I'd be like, whoa, like, you can't tease Hoodie. Like, he's got a condition. <laughs> Dude, I, I I have so many thoughts from this story. I don't remember what we. You don't, I don't remember I mean, the story I told it. I've definitely told it on Dopio at some point. No, I do. I do remember the story, but it just I don't remember the conversation we had. And maybe we're gonna have the exact same conversation right now. Yeah. But I think a bunch of things at once. The first thing I think is like you were very brave to be so honest and be like I taunted the dog into him having an epileptic seizure. I'd be like, I'd be like, I don't know what happened, man. The dog just started, <laughs> just started seizing next to the pool. But you yeah. talked the whole thing out. And like, I'm sure your parents looked at you a little bit differently after you triggered no, an epileptic they seizure. Did not like not. They, that was par for the course during those years. And, um, and then the other thing is, did they give him any anti-seizure medication? So here was the deal. The, the doctor said, and it would have been phenobarbital. I know. That's where, that's where I was going. Um, or something else. But they, 
they said that it depends on how many fits he has, and since he only had like two seizures a year, they said it was better just to not give him meds. So you just let him ride it out. And how old were you in the time of Hoodsy? I, mean, I was in Arizona at that point. So I must have been like nine or ten. You were probably such a dick with your friends. Don't fuck with Hoodsy. He's got a condition, man. You're probably such a jerk. Holy shit. Anyway, the point of all this stuff is I'm going to have a baby and a, and a house. like a big, And it's a big house. You know, and like... Are you going to tease I, the baby? Well, that's another, that's another this, thing that I Take the spoon about. of baby food like it's going to go in its mouth and then put it in your... I used to do that with my with my daughter, and I tease my daughter a lot. And sometimes she likes it, and sometimes she doesn't. You would eat. The, I, would you eat the baby food? You did that. It depends what it depends what it was. The peas were good. What does it taste carrot. like? Just mushy stuff. Just peas, mm. or applesauce, or carrots, or Nora liked uh, avocado. Mm. Anyway, um, with with my daughter, you know, when she couldn't swim. Sometimes I would just throw her in, you know, because they, they do well with that kind of thing. Well, see, I think that that probably, I bet that tactic works most of the time or with there's going to be, there's gonna be with, an advert. No, there could be. I bet you there is a, another good parent who's tried something similar and it's backfired really poorly. The truth is I didn't throw my daughter in the pool. I, I trained her to like one of my greatest accomplishments <laughs> as what? <laughs> I was just picturing you like putting floaty wings on her and then just throwing her in the pool. No, we we like trained because I wasn't living with her uh, when she was little, uh, and she would come down to my house on the Lower East Side two days a week, and it was before she started school. And I loved swimming, and I figured you know, and they were all so scared to like. They didn't. They just were scared to teach her how to swim, and I was like, "I'm going to teach her how to swim." So I would take her to the Y in Chinatown, and it's only Chinese people yeah. and me and my daughter. And they they didn't even have floaty wings. They have these. They're very Chinese looking. They're these bricks that you strap to the kids' back, but they're floaty bricks. Floaty, okay? so they can like kick and swim around. Yeah, yeah. So we would. That's do good. That. It's like culture and swimming. I guess. Yeah. Um, so we would do that, and then I would be like, let's take the brick off. And she would be like, no. And I would be like, yes, we can do this. And I, it would instill confidence. And I, and what I would do that was similar is that when she would swim, she would be like, daddy, daddy. And I would, like you did with the bone, yeah. and you'd back the bone up a little bit. I'd keep stepping back. So yeah. she'd have to swim to me, and then she would see how strong she was. But that was one That's of the much different than did. throwing her in the pool. No, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't throw her. You in know the what pool. you were? You were a good enough parent. Yeah, good that's, enough. That's, that's, that's an actual term. It's like a good enough caregiver. <laughs> Listen, I'm actually. I, I, that is my uh, my uh, litmus test for everything. Is good enough. What do you, you mean? Know, if dopey, if dopey is okay, it's fucking good enough. It doesn't have to be great. It just can't be terrible. I don't, now, I, I don't think it's terrible. I know it's it's good enough. Now, what I'm saying is, with all of this new stuff, and it, it, you know, I hate it when people talk about how their alcoholism pops up in different places. You know, when people say that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm finding I'm having all these insane resentments all over the place. You know, and feeling like, what are you looking at? Nothing. Keep going. I'm feeling. Well, you need to look at Instagram for a second. No, I had a, my dad messaged me. I did just tell him I'm going to his office. I just told him I'm coming at one. What are you doing at his office? I want to hear your resentments. It doesn't matter. I get no, my wanna... brakes fixed. Do you care? <laughs> my, my rear brakes fixed. I take my car to the uh, gas station across the street from his office because if I get something fixed there, I don't have to pay for it. Nice. So you see him just kind of as, a and then I'll go see him and um, I'll bill it to the account or whatever. So, anyways, resentments. I've been having all these weird resentments, like these little tiny snubs from people I don't even know. Yeah. But they're like making me crazy. Like, um, are you sure they're snubs? What does snub mean exactly? Snub is if somebody like intentionally does something to thumb their nose at you to like kind of be like it's like a tiny little insult, a uh, tiny little no. aggression. They're, 
No, they're not snubs. Yeah, they're, just they're like, snubs in your head, probably. They're big snubs in my head. Yeah, and you, I, and you I'm, constantly. You think I snub you when I'm not? You, you're constantly you can't, snubbing no, me. I do. It, no, I, no, no, I intentionally snub you, but you think I do it more than I do it, and especially through text message. I'll just be like joking around, and you take it so seriously. You perceive oh. you can't read text. You read text in the worst possible light, always. I read text like it's the holy text. What is? What do you mean? Like the Bible or the Torah? Yes, I interpret the text as reality. Like fire and brimstone, Old Testament stuff. <laughs> when, when, when I when I I just man, I first of all I hate texting. Yeah. Secondly, I hate texting with you. You're just the fucking worst texter. I don't, so I don't take I'm it the... seriously because texting's stupid. So I just—it's a big joke. It's cool with a K and KK and BRB and NBD. That's my texting. For my money, I just want nothing to do with it. I love that. I love that face with the um, one eye winking and the tongue sticking out. That's kind of like my texting persona. That emoji. Yeah, I, I'm not. So I'm t- not tell me about the snubs. Tell me about these micro snubs. I'd like to move on to the first voicemail. You don't want to hear about them? I want to hear the micro snubs. Tell me which one angered you the most. Uh, okay. It's just so stupid. There's this guy. He's a drummer, okay? And I wanted him... I have this vision where I work to get a couple of percussionists in there. You with me? Yeah. And I, and I want... Wait, percussionists? That's yes. like uh, drums or um, those little cymbals. <laughs> a percussionist to me is like the guy who hits the cowbell or the cymbal on the drums, but he doesn't do the drums. A percussionist is somebody who plays percussive instruments, usually drums, hand drums, wood drums, drum kit, okay. cymbals, triangle. Sometimes they play uh, something called a vibraphone, which is like a xylophone. Okay, so you want to bring you know, a, a percussionist in. And have them play the restaurant. And I think it, because like a restaurant is big and old, and I think it could be a really cool video. Like I think it could generate a lot of interest. And why are you looking at me like that? I'm listening to your half baked idea. Continue. And I think it could be, I think people would really like it. Here's the deal is like walk in business at your place of work is not in need of marketing. You're no, at max capacity. Why do you need that? What's your point? My point is, what is the point of this? Is it to do the side gig? Hmm. I have this weird job at my job that's totally unnecessary, yet they pay me to do it, so I'm doing it. Tell them what and it is. Tell of, the nation what it is. They don't know what it is. It's like, it's somewhere between sales, marketing, promotion, and public relations. It's basically Dave's, Dave's, Dave spends a, a portion of his time with the blue collar, then the rest is kind of white collar right now. I get two white collar days. Let me ask you a different question. Yes. Are you on the clock right now? I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> this is what happened when Dave changes collars. <laughs> I don't even know what you're, I don't know what you're talking about. The answer is, the answer is no. Yeah. Nobody's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was I thinking? So I just think it would be this cool video where you get a couple of percussionists to play the restaurant. You don't think that would be cool? I think it would be really cool. Like make a video. It's a marketing thing that you show people. Yeah. yeah. And I think that no matter what the capacity of our restaurant is and no matter how good the business is, the idea in business is to keep interest up, not be like things are good, so fuck it. You know, you create different things to... Why don't, you, do you, why don't you use your web series as the marketing thing? It's the same thing. Because the, the guy's not interested in me being, like, the guy for my restaurant. He's yeah. inter- you know, it's like, I don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't love my personality. As much as you love my personality and, and half or, you know, a third of the dopey nation <laughs> love my personality... Uh, he doesn't like my personality, and he doesn't want—he doesn't want it to be. That. It doesn't matter. I think that we'll get back there eventually. I think this drumming thing is a fucking cool idea. It's an old New York place. There's a million different sounding textures and 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 things in the restaurant. Like I do it all the time. I play the restaurant with pens and spoons and shit, yeah. and I'm terrible, and it sounds fucking awesome. 
If you got two fucking percussionists with brushes or light sticks and they're putting down Caribbean beats and hip hop and fucking jazz and shit, fucking shit would be cool. I'm halfway there. You're just a dick without an opinion. No, I have an opinion. When I show it to you, you'll be like, yeah, that's cool, I guess. Just like you think everything is cool, you guess. <laughs> you don't like anything. I think it's... You a, like it. I, think it I, was thinking, I was thinking about you this morning, okay? I was thinking about you, and I was thinking about other people. Hey, you know I, what I, I mean? love... I am obsessed with the Celtics. I watch the Celtics all the time. And now? I also, when I did also that like the, I also like the Knicks. I follow the Knicks, too, sometimes. Knicks is my second favorite team. What are you talking about? Basketball, the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Name three people on the Knicks. <laughs> um, three. <laughs> There's 15 people on the Knicks, and they're your second favorite team. Name three. Name two. Name uh, two. Is that uh you can't even name one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of... I can't even name the guy... Patrick Ewing. Yeah, he was on the news. Um, 20 years ago. 25 years ago. Listen, that's not the point. Yeah. And, like, the Celtics are doing great, but I don't think that you're really a big Celtic. No, I could give a fuck. I don't follow My any point sports. Is you, you have zero interest. Because yeah. it's like this. There are people who love sports, and then the people who don't love sports love art or music. <laughs> Or, or, or theater, or literature, or TV. Or I like movies. TV. I like TV no, and food. You like science. You like Star Trek and Futurama. I like and science whatever fiction. Show, whatever show your girlfriend wants you to watch. That's I li- it. I like science fiction. I don't like whatever she wants me to watch. She watches all like. She watched ER the whole series recently. She watches um, Grey's Anatomy, The Good. Do- a lot of like medical shit, which I can kind of get into because. I have some interest in that, but, like, not to the level she does. Did you hear my father's amazing story, my father's amazing science fiction story? No. Um, You know the writer Isaac Asimov? Yeah. Well, should I get my dad to tell the story? It's such a funny story, and he's in the house. It's so hard, though, with the thing he's got to take over. Yeah, we'll do it for a second. It'll be funny. Hold on. Are you walking in? Might as well. Dad? Yeah. Here. You're going to jump on the show real quick. And say hi to Chris. Hello. Hey, Alan. What's Hello. going on? Hey. Just look at him and talk. Oh, here. hi. Hey. How are you? What's I, I'm good. Tell quickly. Don't, don't, don't do any stupid stuff. Just quickly tell the Isaac Asimov story. Isaac- Chris, Chris claims to be a huge science fiction fan. Isaac Asimov is probably the greatest science fiction writer ever. He is a he was a great scientist. He was a professor of science. Uh, he wrote over four hundred books, and I taught his nephews. Uh, and Isaac Asimov came to graduation of one of the nephews and spoke at graduation. And then we invited him to lunch after the ceremonies, and he came to lunch. And he was very arrogant and he was very he was very demeaning. I will not use bad language <laughs> like my son. He was very demeaning of teachers and made bad comments about, you know, public education. And I was getting really upset with the whole thing. Anyway, so at the end of lunch, we're all leaving and everybody's shaking his hands, uh, you know, to say goodbye. And I walked up to him and I, and I shook his hand and I said, you know, Dr. Asimov, Stranger in a Strange Land was the greatest science fiction book I ever, I ever read. And he said, Heinlein wrote that. And I said, I know. <laughs> oh, my and God. I, there you go. And then, and then I ran away before he can give me one of his retorts. Nice uh, work. <laughs> I love it. That, that's, that's one of my favorite stories. But he, he, he was a genius. He was, uh, but he was very arrogant. And, I love uh, it. And, uh, uh, so anyway, that was, that was one of my – but the smartest thing was I ran, I ran right away from him. It's very go. unlike my father thing to do. Yeah. That's awesome. it. Say goodbye to Chris and everything. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, <laughs> Alan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I told you it would be worth it. It's good. I like the uh, story. Yeah. That's a good story. 
that um, you have no interests. I don't think you even you don't even know anything about science fiction. Uh, I know a little bit about drugs. Right, but you don't. Yeah, exactly. So Let's you, play the voicemail. Then, you want to play the voicemail or no? But my dad, my dad <laughs> exhausted you. No, I'm I'm nervous because we're 30 minutes in. We haven't done any dopey. I talked about smoking meth on set. Oh yeah, and having the meth pipe around you. <laughs> okay, yeah, tell, play the voicemail. <laughs> it's sort of like I took the. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I was taking one of the, like the, is it the SAT twos or whatever for writing, and I did this prep course. And what they wanted you to do was for the SAT two in writing, they give you a uh, a prompt, and then you write about the prompt, right? And in the prep course, they said just write an essay. You're going to write the same essay no matter what the prompt is. And then they're like, you need to just find a way to tie it into the prompt. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like sometimes that's what dopey becomes. We just talk about whatever, and then we find some little way to tie it back into drugs or whatever. Well, that's more like your lit thing, you know, when you're supposed to write about the But I got in trouble for that. I know, but we're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. We can't get in trouble for we'll this. We'll incur the wrath of the dopey nation, the hardcore listeners who just want to be hit with the dopey. That's some of the dopey nation. Yeah. Some of the dopey nation. Everybody wants something different. That's so true. You know, it's like some of the dopey, you know, and, and my point about like, I didn't even tell you the snub part of the story. I just told you the oh, percussion the percussion. I'm such bad 80. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Which is another so, complaint people have is that we don't stay on topic and we are, we are all over the but place. But then other people say they love how ADD it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway, I'm just going to wrap this story up and then we'll move it on. And this is just uh, – this is about being in recovery, alcoholism, you know. Uh, well, everything we say, that's the tie-in. We're in recovery. Re- <laughs> yes. Um, so this guy comes in and he was in recovery. And he was a, a famous uh, drummer who, who, you know, he's a renowned drummer in New York City. And uh, he was in my the AA meeting that I went to when I got sober. And uh, he came into the restaurant to eat with a bunch of his friends. And I bought him and his friends uh, an order of potato latkes. And I told him my vision of having a couple percussionists playing the restaurant. He was like, oh, that would be cool. I think I even know somebody. And I was like, great. Is your number the same? And he was like, yeah. And to his benefit, I didn't call him right away. But like three months later, I finally called him and uh, his number had been changed. And I was like, what the fuck? He told me his number was the same. But then. You're crazy. You're crazy. then, Then I reached out to his sponsee, who I'm friendly with. And this is how I just fucking hate sometimes the people in AA. Yeah. And and he say, and I like this guy, but I hate the AA ness. Yeah, people. with the anonymity, you don't want to get shares numbers. He goes, he goes, he goes. I really don't want to. I don't really feel comfortable. I don't really feel comfortable giving you his number. Is he gay? So I'm, no, but this is what they all. <laughs> this is how they sound. I don't really feel comfortable giving you his number. Uh, it's like just shut the fuck up. And I was like, fine. Just tell him that I need – I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. I don't need to be his fucking friend. Yeah. I don't need advice. <laughs> I don't need fucking shit. Yeah. I need a fucking drummer to play the fucking restaurant. And he goes, he goes, well, I don't really feel comfortable in passing along that message either. I'm just going to tell him you want to get a hold of him. I was like, just don't do that. I was, like, just, I, was like, I was like, just give me his number. Yeah. He's like – I don't really feel comfortable in oh doing that. God. So in the end, he goes, he goes, well, I talked to him, and I didn't really feel comfortable in telling him why you wanted to talk to him, and I don't really feel comfortable in telling you what he told me. So maybe you'll hear from him. It's like, what? Oh, my God. What? That's like the worst thing for you, too. It's yeah. going to set you off. Beyond but it's belief. not. But it's like, and, and this is also the thing about meetings I hate. It's like when people are in a meeting and they're like, I can't believe how much I needed this meeting today. I was losing it. And I heard the perfect thing. It's like, what is the perfect fuck? If you're going to tell me you're going to give me a blowjob or give me a million dollars, those are the only two perfect things I can imagine hearing in a fucking meeting. Everything else is nice and it's good, but it's not the perfect thing. Oh, my God. I had to hear that today. I can't believe I got to hear it. Yeah. And it's like this is their this is our life. Every day some dumb fuck 
oh my god, I can't believe he said that thing I needed to hear. Like people, they they say that shit, and I don't know how much they really believe it. I think that a fraction of people that speak like that believe it, but I think getting in the habit of speaking like that actually makes you start to feel that way and see things in a better way. Whereas if you're sitting there making fun of people talking like that, you tend to see things through a different lens. Well, that's the other thing that happened. It's like, so then, and I, and I, I, I hadn't been to normal meetings for a long time. I'd only go to the big book study and yeah. nobody would say anything like that. Yeah. Nobody you know, would complain. Yeah, you nobody read the book and you share your thing and it's, it's yeah, solution. You just talk about the book. You yeah. just talk about the book. Yeah. Anyway, so I was like, I got to get back to the people. And I start hearing about, like, I spilled the juice on the carpet, and I can't believe it's the worst day of my life. I missed the train, and everything <laughs> and I'm, everything is working against me. I don't know. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Anyway, so then I'm at the meeting, and we're talking about, um, at the big book study, we're talking about resentment. And, like, I think we were talking about, like, when you finally give up things like sarcasm, and you give up lust. You get the seven deadly sins and like you yeah. operate just in spiritual principle. And he's talking about all these things that we should give up like sarcasm and lust and gluttony and sloth. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck am I left with if I give all that stuff up? And more importantly, how could I possibly be funny if I'm not complaining? Or well, I think, no, 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 I think you can. Or if... being snar- sarcastic or overeating. Yeah, okay, or okay, being okay, worried. okay. It's like, where's the joy? You're getting all your material from living in the seven deadly sins. That's yes. basically what you're saying. Yeah, no, yes. I agree with that. Totally. Yeah, my sponsor, you're the, you're when the we same do, thing. My sponsor, when we do um, our fourth step, he adds an extra column and you write where the seven deadly sins are. Um, but the difference is, is you can live in those within those seven deadly sins and not be like out of control and still be living by spiritual principles. Right, and I think that the comedy can come from recognizing which deadly sin you're in. You yes. know, you're, you don't really you gotta have one foot in and one foot out because you still experience. You have a lot of you have a lot of envy. I'm mostly just gluttony, sloth, and pride. Those are my three. You have you're such a little fucking zero fuck. envy. I'm just you have <laughs> no envy. You're, you're such a little bitch. It's uh, like crazy. You you don't want to say you never have envy. Never. Never. No, I wonder what it feels like. I don't know. You know, try try not having your father pay for your breaks and <laughs> get sent to your mansion in Anguilla. And maybe you can experience envy, you fucking prick. All right, let's play this voicemail before you get out of control. No, no, no. Before we do, what do you – this is – I think what I just said about meetings and stuff, it's harsh. But don't you think, like, that's a real thing? Like I all those. Voices? I don't even want to talk – like, I haven't been to a meeting in two months. But what? But do you know what I'm talking about? Those voices, like, isn't it like you kind of have to make? Well, I don't like those. There's, and I think it's more. I noticed it in New York more. Is that there's kind of this bitch fest sort of thing that goes on sometimes about living in New York and stuff. And not all meetings are like that, but there's definitely a lot in New York that kind of. But they don't bitch about shit in Boston and Great Barrington. In Great Barrington, it's a different culture. It's like there's other drawbacks, which is every fucking person in the room has been to treatment nine times. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of them, they are forced to be there from their parents, and they're about gym tan laundry and fucking newcomers, you know what I mean? And there's a, a greater element of that, where in New York, it's like people are there because they want to be there, but they're just going to fucking whine about the hot dog stand or whatever, you know? But do you, nobody whines about the hot dog stand, <laughs> but do, you, do they share about, like they're, like, they're like, oh my god. There's this ridiculously hot newcomer, no, and I can't fuck her. No, they fucking spit polish their share, and when they're speaking, they're speaking to some girl in the room in the corner, not you know, name or some group of girls. That's what happens, and it's like I feel like sometimes you lose authenticity because people are there trying to get laid, which is I'm all about. Like if you want to go, if you go to a meeting because you want to see the girls, it's fine. Do you know what I mean? But if you're gonna have that influence how you share and how you handle yourself in the meeting, then it's like annoying. And that's not that's everybody. So funny. That's just some people, you know. Of course, but that's so funny. Like that evolutionary component to, you know, because it's true. Because you, you, it's like if your possible sexual partners are twelve step people, 
you know, one of the ways you impress them is through sharing. Exactly. It's like dressing up yeah. or working out. It's <laughs> yeah. like, and it's like after the meeting, they're like, oh, my God, did you hear how well he shared? I spoke, you know, I like, spoke at a meeting once, and after the meeting on the way home, a friend reached out to me and said, can I give your number to somebody, to some girl that was in the meeting? Literally exactly what you said. I'd never even – I knew who she was. She was cute and stuff, but I had never talked to her. Well, I have a terrible story that I'm not going to tell. You can't um, do that. You don't even say that. If you, you know, that's just bad for the show. It, put it like this: you know your Artie Lang story, the yeah. story that the vault. This is this is the vault. Uh, this is that story. Will I you tell, tell it if Artie comes on? Right. When Artie when Artie comes, comes on. on, I will tell it. All right, let's play this fucking voicemail. All right, this yeah. is a minute and a half. I it's I actually played it for Annie, my girlfriend, and she like at first didn't believe it she's like i don't know if this is it's one of those it's 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 not super intense but it's just one of those like beautiful endings all right you ready hey guys it's peter emailed you a couple days ago and i thought i'd call it and leave you a story now on my way to work one day when i was about 17 18 years old me and my buddies were partying for days at a time and it must have been i was probably up for about 60 hours 70 hours or so and i went home and i crashed hard and the next day, only about like seven hours of sleep, my buddies come and wake me up, telling me, we got to go, we got to go. We, we know where there's a huge field of pot. So I'm reluctant to get up and go, but I was the only one who had a truck, right? So we, I get up, and I'm going, and I'm dehydrated, haven't eaten in days, I'm starving. And we go to the forest, and they had a map from these guys the day before. So it was like a real treasure hunt, because these guys had gone before and robbed the field, but they couldn't get all of the pot. So there was some still left. So we went out there, and we searched for hours through this forest. till, And I'm like literally about to pass out like i'm so wrecked and so dehydrated and malnourished i needed something and uh so my buddies are like carrying me and we finally finally find the pot and we're so excited and in the middle of the pot field is a vitamin water strawberry kiwi unopened not even open wasn't cracked so i cracked that drank it it was just a beautiful time man it was just i felt amazing after we found the pot we had a drink and everything was good. Thanks, guys. Sweet voice memo, huh? It might be the best voice memo we've ever got. I love it. Like that, 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 That's a, a Todd shot. It's not a God shot. That's a Todd shot. That might be the, the greatest voice memo we've ever It's perfectly lengthy. He, he says, instead of saying, I didn't want to go, he says, I was reluctant to go. <laughs> you know? He's like, is he Canadian? What's, where is he from? What's it's the deal? dude um, who sent us the crazy uh, meth fuel thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love I love that. And then I and want to he's read. He's sober. Something. He's sober like six months now. I want to read something, by the way. Um, what are you reading? I'm going to read a, a voicemail. Hold on. A, a voicemail? I mean, an email. Okay. This is where you riff while I find the thing. I'll read it while you're doing it. I'll read a review. How about that? That sounds great. All right, Dave loved this review. It's uh, from May 3rd, a little, little old, but it's, uh, it says, Brilliant, funny, cool podcast. Dear Dave and Chris, your show is so good. It helps to have a safe outlet for telling old drug-fueled adventure tales because it can be dangerous telling old stories as a clean and sober person. A, because other sober people, other sober meeting people don't want to hear them. And B, because if you're swapping old tales to someone who still uses, it can be tempting to hear them with no resolve. And the next thing you know, you can relapse. But your show really does acknowledge why our old ways got us in trouble and ruined our lives. And you do give advice to better, to get better, while also making fun of it all. I appreciate your guys' humor because I grew up on similar situations. You two remind me of my friend recalling our weekend back when. Not to compare Dopey to Seinfeld, but kind of like if George and Jerry were addicts and Kramer also. I think you get the point. I'm going to leave a voicemail of my stories. Love to meet you guys some days. Tommy from Long Island. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I yeah. love I love I, I love being compared to Seinfeld. I know. Please compare us to Seinfeld. I mean, that is literally my my upbringing. That was the only show I was allowed to watch during the week for a period. By your parents? Yeah, it was the only thing they let me watch for, you know, and eventually that changed. But, like, for years, from, like, eighth grade to something, there was, like, I wasn't supposed to watch TV during the week. Dude, where are we at, by the way? 44, 45. 
Okay, I gotta leave at the hard hour. I have a, I have an important lunch meeting today. Should we close out with the British thing and then just not comment on it? Well, pre-comment because we both listened to it. Let's do I it. didn't listen to the British thing. I thought you did. Oh, no. But um, I want to read this email. Um, uh, this is from Moisha. Moishi. Moishi. Moisha, I think. Hi, Dave and Chris. My name is Moisha, and I live in Los Angeles. I'm in recovery and have been sober a year and four months. This story is more cute than hardcore. I would love you guys to tell it on your show. So about 10 years ago, I was in Israel for school. I was a little drunk and had no money or cigarettes. So I went to the school next door and walked into a class that was taking place. And the teacher and whole class, 50 students, stop in dead silence and stare at me. I walk up to the teacher in front of the whole class and say, Ata yesh cigaria? which in English means anyone got a cigarette and the whole class burst out laughing. The teacher smiles, hands me a cigarette and I stumble out. Hope you guys like the story and love to hear you tell it on the show. Love the show. All the best. Um, thanks Moisha. I think that, that, that email sucks. <laughs> I think that's the worst dopey story we've ever gotten in our life. Oh and my I think, God. And that's what I that's personally I thought it was really good and I'm happy he emailed us. You're such a little cunt. How <laughs> do you live with yourself? No, I you mean, li- it was good. Listen, Moisha, <laughs> I, I love your name, and I love the intention, and I love that there's a nice Jewish guy listening to Dopey. Yeah. But on the in the scale of Dopey stories, he walks into the classroom, he says, does anyone have a cigarette? And the teacher gives him one. <laughs> in what universe is that a Dopey story? Uh, what language was he speaking? Was that Hebrew or something? I don't speak Hebrew, but I'd imagine it was. Did I, I, one time, and I was fucking very high at this moment. Do people speak Hebrew? Yeah. What is the it one is, when you get, um, not confirmed, uh, you have your bar mitzvah with all the phlegm in the mouth? That's Yiddish, right? First of all, no, that's anti-Semitism is, right now. <laughs> <laughs> is that Yiddish? Yiddish is uh, like an amalgam of, of Russian, Hebrew, and slang. Is that and what you he- learn before your bar mitzvah? No, you learn Hebrew. What is the phlegmy one? I don't. I don't like anti-Semitism. <laughs> I'm not so. being anti. That's not what people speak, though, in the real world, is it? Yes. That, that's it. Because I, I don't. I've never heard that except in like a temple going to somebody's bar mitzvah. That's because you're not around Jews and you don't travel to Israel and you're not around Israelis. Have you been to or- Israel? No, but I know how Israelis speak, and it's awfully phlegmy also. Well, what type of language was that he was speaking? Who? The guy. Moisha? Moisha? Yeah. yeah. I'm assu- I don't speak Hebrew. <laughs> I'm assuming it's Hebrew. <laughs> the worst thing is like is like uh, a guy who's probably like a bad smoker who had, uh, you know, and it's yeah. like deep in there. But I don't appreciate your anti-Semitic. It's uh, not anti-Semitism. You know, it is. If I said it, it wouldn't be. But because you say it, it is anti But I'm friends with you, so I can not, say it. <laughs> not to mention that you hate Jews, Moisha. <laughs> Just so you know, all the Jews out there in Dopeyland, Chris loves everybody, except he thinks Hebrew sounds I'm kind of jealous of Jews because you guys you have carved be. out this special identity, and, like, yeah. you're just a bunch of white people. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Why, why do you have this? Why do you have this special thing that us other white people don't have? Like I'm Irish, and like people love to be Irish in Boston, but it still doesn't even carry with it the same sort of clout that being Jewish does. Because Jews are a people, you know. You th- it's easy. For, you're, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You're living in Boston. You lived in New York City, and these are places where where Jews have. Re- and I'm going to be serious here. Yeah. Jews have reclaimed part of society. In the world at this point, and people go as far as to say that the Jews control the world at this point. But for the history of time, when I said Jews, that, you got mad at me. I remember people, like a year ago. People say that because Jews have reclaimed, uh, uh, you know, ha- have done well. Jews have done well, but in the history of of humanity, Jews were um, oppressed, tormented, killed. Uh, wiped well, out. I think that the Jews have consistently done well, but then they've been oppressed maybe because of that. Um, I think that the Jews have been oppressed for many, many reasons. 
probably the number one thing is because they decided that we were the chosen people, which probably gets everybody else very upset because it's not the most inclusive policy. <laughs> but but I want to move away from this conversation. I want to thank Moishi, but I want to get back to my story. And I, and I don't want to ever hear you talking about Hebrew as a phlegmy language again. <laughs> Can I? Okay. So I want to tell a, a more dopey version of Moisha's story, okay? All right. I'm listening. Are we, are we, can we get past the Jew thing? I'm here. I'm nose to nose. Wow. Is that a Jew thing? Nose to nose? Was that like <laughs> no, it wasn't, but that came was out that some perfect timing. Anti-Semitic <laughs> pond you have going on? It was good timing. So I was really high, and I was with Brad, and Brad had this friend who was uh, English. His name was – I think his name was – Glenn, I don't remember his name. He died with a brain aneurysm, very young, very nice guy. And the three of us are in a cab on Broadway. And, uh, and I was, uh, I would chain smoke cigarettes, you know, and I would smoke in the cab and it was before you couldn't smoke, you know? And, um, and I reached for my cigarette and I don't have a light and I was all high and we were, we were stuck in traffic. And I was like, I asked the cab driver for a light. I asked Brad for a light. I asked the other guy for a light. I jump out of the taxi. I run to the corner. I go to the fucking, you know, the newspaper stand. I was like, let me use a lighter. He gives me the lighter. I lit the cigarette, and I ran back to the cab and got back in. That's and, pretty and good. The, and the guy was like, I, I ran into the guy 15 years later or 10 years later. He was like, I couldn't believe you did that. You know, and I was like, you know, and, and that's just, that was like, you know, that's how I, how I That's roll. how it is. Well, people are like that in New York. Remember I was driving around with you once and you needed a lighter and you asked some guy at the light and then it turned green and then he pulled up next to us, gave us the lighter. Like I think we were and driving. Drove away. And then he's like, just keep it and drove away. Dude. You remember that? Bet, yeah, I do. Yeah. You, you, check this out. Um, before I started taking the Long Island Railroad home, I would, you know, before I lived in Long Island, I would drive to get Nora. And I was driving there, and I was smoking cigarettes. And, and I, I miss – out of everything, I miss smoking the most. Yeah. I just – I don't want to do it, but I miss doing it. So It's okay to miss smoking. You shouldn't miss all the other stuff. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the car, and I, and I have cigarettes, and I was like – my lighter didn't work. There was no matches. And I'm in traffic yeah. on the Long Island Expressway. I can't get out and run and get a light. And I see this dude in a car across the way, in a truck, in a pickup truck. And I was like, and, I, and he's smoking. And I open the window and I scream, you got a light? And he goes, sure. And he throws his lighter across traffic into the window of the car. <laughs> no way. He did. Yeah, it's beautiful. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. That's like, you know, and, and I think it's funny, like, Moisha, I think it's great that you love the show. I think it's great that you wrote us. I just don't think it's a very dopey story. Dave wanted to read that email just to rip Moishi apart. I don't think I ripped him apart. I think I was just – I was – I'm honest. You're not honest. I had a you really dopey email uh, queued up, but it's too long. What is it? It's about a guy doing nitrous and meeting some weird people in his head or something. That sounds good. How much time we, sh- we got? We don't have time. We, you got to get a hard hour. You get three minutes until the hour comes. But oh, let's close out. We did the ad. We did do it. Do ad. it right now. We got three minutes. Oh, do it. We sh- I really wanted to do the ad at the beginning of the episode. Do it. Oh. Just fucking oh. shut up, you idiot. Oh. Just fucking what do it. What if they don't – they're not – nobody re- – you know why nobody re-ups with us for ads? Because we suck at it. Because we suck How at How many it. have we done? I thought we've done a bunch. I thought we already were close to – we are close to it, but we didn't do one. Anyways, a great way to track your sobriety count is through the I Am Sober app. Dave and I both downloaded it. You can track your sobriety time or your clean time from specific substances. And I then think- you can also use it to help locate uh, clinicians or meetings in the area. It's really fucking cool, fellas. I've actually looked at it two times since I downloaded it on the previous Dopey episode. I've used does it, it ha- myself. Does it ha- What have you used it for? Just to look at it. What does it have? I'm not, t- I'm not fielding any questions about its functionality. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm afraid I, I, I will not represent it the way that we should represent it as professional advertisers in the podcasting industry. 
I think the I Am Sober app is awesome. I think you should use it. And I want to thank them for sponsoring our amazing sobriety show. Yeah, it was right on, dude. It's really fucking cool that they did that. If any sobriety counselors are great, you know what? You, you know what? One of the ways I act funny. You, 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 know, just, I, you, you just you just interrupted me. I was talking, and then you started talking over. Hold on, during gotta, the ad. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> While you're here, I think I'm going to read another email. We're in the middle of an ad. <laughs> another review. All right. I want to know what about the ad. Hold on. We're going to read this review, and then we're going to get back to the ad because we're going to give them a really long ad. This this is the most recent review. It says, I drank meth piss too from MC Confuse. I still recall guzzling my own meth piss, much to the confusion of the dealer guy who smoked me out. I would say it prolonged the high but tasted nasty. Dave, I'm worried about your behaviors lately. That anger, resentment towards Chris seems to be related to his success lately. Every dude, <laughs> every dude I've ever seen relapse started with resentful jabs at fellow sober dudes. Please get help, brother. Any cues about meth piss? I'd be glad to field it if Jess is busy. Anyways, that just came, that popped into my mind as you got seething over my interruption. Listen, MC Confused, thank you for the review. Uh, why don't you send in a voicemail about guzzling your meth piss? And also, why don't you comment on Dave's fragile sobriety? Yeah, comment on my fragile sobriety. Also, tell me about my success. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, what is it? Tell me. Why don't you tell me about your success? I, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm a future doctor. Can you compete with that? It, doing rap, <laughs> lit reviews, anguilla vacation, free car repair. <laughs> <laughs> Free meals. Anyways, any stupid dog. Anyways, this I am sober app is pretty. You're just fucking you're just cool. fucking raging through the end here. What else? What, okay, yeah. What else? You, I have a question about the I am sober app. Okay, go ahead. I thought I saw something on it that lets you keep track of your inventory. Possibly, I haven't really explored all the features. Well, I think the I Am Sober app is great. MC Confuse, I, I might be worried about me too. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I was going to say something else about the I Am Sober app. Is that, um, as some of you know, like, you know, I work, you know, part time with alcoholics and addicts. And one of the ways I actually sort of gauge their sobriety for people who are um, newcomers, you know, and they're not, this isn't a 12 step capacity, this is a more of a therapeutic thing, is that I'll just kind of ask them, how long have they been sober for? And just from their response, from the way they process that question, I can tell how, if they're really sober, number one, <laughs> and number two is how important their sobriety is to them. So I think the value of the I Am Sober app is like, if sobriety is important to you and you're really going to like count days, you know, not in the sense of restarting, you know, and that shame-based counting days. I mean, if you're going to count days because it has value to you and your sobriety is important, a great way to track that is through I Am Sober app. How is that for an advertisement? That's great. I would even go on to say the I Am Sober app is the best way to count days. <laughs> the best. Uh, All right. All right. So wait, wait, wait. Um, should, we, should I close out? I know you don't like doing this. Should we close out with the voice memo? You want to be able to play it and comment on it. Okay. Yeah. Neva, sorry we still haven't gotten around to it. It's not a Neva, Neva, Neva thing. There's a ton of voicemails, ton of emails. A ton of emails. Listen, we had shit queued up. I missed you. Know, I had all this shit. You know, I went tanning the other day. I you did about not. that. I did. I went tanning yesterday. I got took. I, I always burn in the sun, so I thought I'd go tanning and get a little bit of a base. And as I was tanning, I realized I have pissed myself in sobriety. Not the way you did, but the tanning bed piss story. Remember? Yes. I totally forgot about that. I can't. And that is just as, that is actually probably worse than your Nyquil piss story. Who paid for the tanning session? I did. It was seventeen bucks. They tried to upsell you, and I, but I just got you're burnt. you're insane. You paid seventeen dollars to well, go. Well, because you look as pale as a fucking sheep. You don't look like you fucking got any color. Well, go lie in the sun. What's wrong with you? Well, because I gotta go to Anguilla, and I'm afraid I'm just I, every time I go down there, I just get fried, and it ruins the trip. I thought maybe I could get a base, but instead I just turned red. Oh my god! My belly's all red. I can't believe you lay down in a tanning bed. Yeah. Did they put a cock in your mouth while you were in the tanning bed too? No, but they definitely are run by addicts. I could tell. Like they might want a cock in the mouth. 
The girls what? <laughs> they just have like tattoos on their knuckles and they're really kind of flirty and they like bring you into the tanning room and stuff, you know? Really? And then when I pissed the ta- I'm should I tell the tanning bed piss story real quickly? I gotta go. Alright, alright. Tell the story. Alright, so real quickly, Dopey Nation is I went tanning when I was in California. I'm just gonna rush through this. It's in an early dopey episode. I was sitting down taking a shit in the tanning bedroom in the tanning bed place, and I had scheduled to uh, tan in the first room. And the woman who worked the desk was in Narcotics Anonymous, and I had a crush on her. And the room was directly across from where she was. It was the first room in, like, a long hallway. Anyways, I was taking a shit. How many times do you have to say rum in this story? Shut up. I was taking a shit, and I was leaning back, and my my. Hit the, the stream Wait, of on, my on, urine. On, on. Were you in the bathroom at that point? I was in the bathroom, and the stream of my urine started hitting the edge of the bowl and spraying on my shorts. And I doused my shorts in urine, and I didn't even know, right? And so, anyways, after I'm done, I'm like, fuck. And I got this big fucking, like, U of urine in the back of my shorts. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? So I try, like, spraying water, like, slapping water on the front of my shorts, just being like I'm wet everywhere. And like, How did not, you pee on the working. back of your shorts? So I was taking a shit, and it was one of these. To- have you ever seen the tote uh, bowls where there's a bowl yeah. and then they're handicap, and there's like a booster for the seat? And yes. I was leaning back, and so the stream oh, started. Worst. Okay, yeah. Yes, okay, yes, that's the worst. Okay, so that then- little space—it's so small. Yeah, but it's so big. <laughs> it can do so much damage. Okay, so anyways, I'll just fast forward because you got to get out of here. So anyways, I douse my shorts in urine. I'm like, fuck, I have to see this person to get into the tanning room. So I go talk to her and I back into the tanning room because I don't want to turn around and see the U of urine. I'm in the tanning bedroom, which is this like self-enclosed little room. And I decide the best thing to do is to dry my fucking urine-doused shorts on the tanning bed, which gets really hot. So I climb in the tanning bed. I put my fucking shorts on them also. It works. They dry out. But as soon as I notice they're starting to dry... I realized that it fucking stinks, and burnt urine is a really, really bad smell. Anyways, I leave the fucking room. As I'm leaving the room, I'm talking to the lady, and I literally see the stench register on her face. She's like, that is disgusting. I bet like, you didn't. What? She didn't even know what I bet that was. In, I bet that was in your head. No, no, no. She could tell, man. See, I wanted to do something. Okay, so that's, and that's nothing like what happened to me. What do you mean? Like, you didn't piss the bed. Pissing the bed is way... I mean, you just... You pissed on the toilet. It was an accident. It wasn't as bad as yours, but it was worse in terms of my solution and the fallout. I mean, Linda was... Linda was like... The way Linda handled... I mean, she was your best friend. I mean, she handled it. She met you on the plane of enlightenment. She did. It was very, very... It was very sweet. Um, But then the other thing about your story is, like... That story is a classic Seinfeldian story where you start – like it's a George Costanza move where you put water on the on the front to make it look like it was yeah. all wet. Yeah. You know, that's a classic George move. But I wanted to do something else before we got off, which is something that we haven't done in a long time. You The other day, you asked me about um, Hot Wheels. Yeah. You know? And um, and I don't know what's going on with Hot Wheels, and I don't think Hot Wheels listens anymore. And but if you're listening, Hot Wheels, what the fuck is going on? Where are you? You're getting ready. I'm getting ready too. Are you at home? Yeah. Is that your closet with all those hats? They're not my hats, but yeah, it's my closet. Did you hang up those hats, or did she? Seriously? Yeah. You think I've done any of the decorating in here? But did you put the hooks? Oh, in? you know the one thing that I stood up for about this apartment. The television and the couch. Yes. Very male. Very hetero of you. I <laughs> Everything else was designed by Annie. Now, what I wanted to say is one thing we never talked about. I can't even think of his fucking name. I'm so fucking embarrassed. The, who was the guy who whose wife wanted to send us the baked goods? Oh, the cookies. I, fucking, was, I wrote him a handwritten letter in rehab. I can't even what's remember. What's his name? I forget, man. There's been too many people. Was it Troy, too? No, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. I literally have absolutely no clue. Well, this guy wrote us. Oh, I could finally find out. He wrote us on Twitter, and and he wrote us something really long that I said that we'd read. There's so many things that I say that we're going to read, and we don't read. Um, The guy's name. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Talk for a second, please. Okay. Dopey Nation, I'm getting ready. Something good. Yada, yada, yada. 
I gotta go too, man. I have a call at twelve. It's twelve oh seven. But I was gonna say we don't we don't ever fucking shout out to people. I know. Next episode, more voicemails, more shout outs, more emails. All right, agreed. Yeah, but hold on. I want to I want to talk about this guy for a quick second. His I, name. I actually, hurry up because I gotta I gotta go too. What's his name? Uh, I have all these Twitter. Oh, Scott. Scott T. Scott, yeah. Scott T. So, want to say what's up to him? Kevin Cunsey, fucking Hensley, all these Twitter motherfuckers, whoever, Rock, Dr. Drew's wife, some Nicole, C. Ocean, Jeremy Crook, Scott Countryman. All right, dude. I gotta go, man. I'll talk to you later, right? No, Toodles. just give, goodbye. No, 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 no. Give two shout outs to two people. That Troy one, me. Troy two. Okay, do two more. Uh, Leah and Tina. Oh, Tina. What do you think? What do you think's going on with Tina? I know what's going on there. So do you. I don't want to share stay, though. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. You don't have to say toodles every time. You really, you really don't have to say it every time. I want to take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller City far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had